everybody. It's Carla Cruz, and you're listening to the part three of the Big Old Quarantine podcast. Um, as I mentioned before in part two, we'll be talking about books, music, and answering the questions uh, that were left on my Instagram eons ago. But I've got, I've still got them all saved, and I'll, um, I'll still answer those because I actually do want to dig into some of those and get ready. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the. Uh, let's start with. Let's start with the books. I um. So, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. I don't know if I haven't, but I've, I think I've mentioned before that uh, when quarantine started, I took up reading. I got a few books from a friend of mine and uh, just read those. I was part of a. I joined a book club as well, and I'm still kind of in that book club. And um, I bought a few things on online, few few books online. And ever since then, I've just been, yeah, I haven't been, haven't been reading so constantly, just like I don't watch movies every single day, but I, um, I've really grown to like, because it used to be, when I was a kid, I, I did read when I was in, let's say, primary school, I did read when I was in primary school, but I, I guess throughout high school is where my interest kind of dropped off, and um, I, I wasn't really... I, I don't know, I don't know if it was an attention span thing, or I just wasn't into it as much as everyone else was, um, or all the, all the, uh, all the bookworms, and, um, everybody liked that, and a few of, and even a few of my friends were, uh, would, would love to read books and everything, and then, and then they, I, they talk about them, and I guess I just, in high school, I just never really got into it, it wasn't really my, a, a thing that I liked to do, I didn't want to spend let's say, you know, one to two hours just sitting there reading words. And it's just kind of, I think it was because we read so much in high school as well that I didn't want to, I didn't want to continue, <laughs> I didn't want to continue doing that at home. So I thought it was just all at work. And, you know, it didn't really click with me, obviously, or, you know, very, very naive back then. It didn't really click that, you know, books are just like movies, but they're just like, obviously, the worlds are extended, and this is, you know, this is where these great movies came from, like, um, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, and stuff like that, uh, Jaws, even, started off with Peter Benchley's novel, and, yeah, this year, before the, um, quarantine started, I got really into reading, and ever since then, I've been reading quite a bit, and I've got nine books here I want to talk about, which I did read, throughout this whole period and I did read more than these but these are the these are the nine that I picked I've actually reached I never thought I'd do it but I have read 20 books and I never thought I would read 20 in this amount of time I thought I thought I would get it done by the end of the year maybe Uh, but I've already as of September I had read 20 out of 20 and I was very very I was happy with that that was that was really good Um, so yeah I've got nine books that I've chosen here to talk about Um, just on their own, and I've and uh, they're all kind of different genres. I am into, I'm into, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm into sci-fi especially, and weirdly enough, horror. I like horror, and yeah, I'm into horror and like dreamlike things and weird stuff. I think, but I've also got like you know, Call Me by a Name here and uh, the Trial. <laughs> And that's like, I don't know, the trial might be horror for uh, Joseph K, but not for me, you know. So um, I want to start off with a book called Dance, Dance, Dance by Haruki Murakami. It is about a unnamed narrator who is the, it's told from his perspective, he's unnamed and he talks about a dream that he had of a motel called the Dolphin, sorry, not a motel, a hotel called the Dolphin Hotel and a woman named Kiki, who he keeps seeing in his dreams, and he's just this, um, I think he's a photojournalist, and he goes around Osaka, I think, I think it's Osaka, I don't want to, I don't, I read this a while ago, so, I think it's Osaka, and that's where he works, but then he goes into Tokyo, because he gets picked up for a job there, and then he finds out, like, he pretty much connects together that, oh, that's where the Dolphin Hotel was, so he goes to the spot where the hotel was, and finds out that it's been, it's been, there's a completely new building there, it's still called the Dolphin Hotel, but it's a whole new building, and he builds a relationship with, uh, specifically three certain characters, uh, I forget, again, I'm gonna forget the names, 
but it's a woman in her glasses. There's a child who really likes music, and then she kind of tags along through through his adventures. And yeah, this book is very odd. It's very dreamlike. I was really really into it. I love the way Murakami writes, like this whole thing. Really, it's very matter of the fact writing. People would describe it as idiosyncratic, or um, yeah, I, I just like, I don't know. Point is, I just like the way that he writes these certain scenes. It's just very like, well, this is what this is what he's doing, and it's not it's not trying to. There's no there's no large descriptions. It's just characters doing. I could this this could probably be a movie in my opinion. This could be a movie. Maybe they did. I know they did make because this this author, um, Hurricane Murakami, also did Norwegian Wood, and Norwegian Wood is a movie, but I. I don't know about this one, but this one was my, I picked this one up because it looks really interesting. It was recommended on a, I watched a whole bunch of videos and you could try and to try and get into reading. I watched a whole bunch of videos on YouTube um, and that's where I found BookTube. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of people out there reading and just like movie channels, there's a lot, there's book channels and um, I've now discovered that crowd and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. One of the books that was recommended was this one. So I picked it up. And after I finished it, I found out that this was part of a, I think, a four-part series with the same character and, uh, like, a, another character as well called The Rat, I think. Because The Rat is mentioned in Dance, 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 but in another book is mentioned, like, it's mentioned in all four of them. But I picked up the, because this is the fourth, and I read this as thinking it was just a singular, um, you know, a singular story. It's part of a fucking bigger story. So this is the fourth in... Uh, yeah, four. And I picked up the first one, which is called The Wild Sheep Chase. So I haven't read that one yet, but I'll check it out. Look, if you really like ambiguous, dreamlike things, and it kind of it's kind of creepy at times as well. I'll say that, and just great character writing. I reckon you could you should check this one out. It's very, it would be, I think it'd be very much up your alley if you're into those things. I, I very much enjoyed it. I think I gave it four. I also joined Goodreads as well, and. Uh, I gave that four, I think, stars on Goodreads. I'm loving these things that you can you can keep track of everything, uh, like Letterboxd and Goodreads. I mean, they're just they're fucking lifesavers. And adding Goodreads to that reservoir has been very helpful. Okay, next up, I read the novel version of American Psycho, written by Brett Easton Ellis, and. Obviously, if you know the film, you know it's about a guy named Patrick Bateman who is a like a, like a Wall Street stockbroker or something like that. He's a businessman, and he's also a killer. Like he, he kills people and he kills women, especially. And if you've seen the film, you know that like there is a lot of questions that come out of it, and even if it's all in his head or if he did it actually, if he actually did all those people. Like I think he mentions he killed twenty eight people. And everyone, everyone who has seen the film, they know it's like violent and very gory, very messed up. Has a lot of uh, iconic scenes as well. I'm talking about the business card scene. I'm talking about the the way when Patrick Bateman describes the albums that he has, the records that he has, and his apartment to the women that he brings over. And yeah, th- this book is is uh, an extension of that. I'll say that <laughs> this was. Probably one of the best books I have ever read. Just quickly get the Goodreads thing out of the way. I go five stars. It's it's in a fucking incredible read. But just a fair warning, I don't know if I'll ever visit this again. If I, and if I do, it will probably be there be a long time because it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's very very fucked up. It not only has the scenes that that's in the film. But it also has other things as well. Um, there's a certain scene to do with mice or rats or something. But I won't say what it is. But it was actually absolutely uh, dis- downright disgusting. And I actually had to like put down the book for a second because it was just... I think it was just a little too much. But at the same time, I was just like... Because you you're just constantly in the head of Patrick Bateman. You're... It, I don't know. It, it's really hard. He feels like an antihero, but he's, he's he's a very bad person. But because you're always in his head, it's kind of like you are agreeing with him because you, you do really feel like you are Patrick Bateman. And it's it's challenging. It's a challenging read. I'll say that. People always talk about A Little Life but uh, by Hanya Yanagihara, but 
this is a challenging read. <laughs> it was not only like this is not going to give you existential dread or anything. It's just going to make it's just going to be a it, it's it's a challenging challenging read. And uh, if you love the film, I recommend you do read it. But just be wary that there are scenes in this book that are just like they're just horrible. They're absolutely horrible. And I I, I want to find a stronger word, but I I, I can't. Uh, I can't seem to grab it at the, at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's a very, uh, it's just a lot, it's just a lot, I'll say that, it's just it's just a lot, I love the way Easton Ellis describes everything, because you're always in Patrick's head, he's always second guessing himself, what he wears, what, what time he shows up to places, the women that he sleeps with, and there is so much description of like clothing and cars and products and merchandising. It almost feels like Russ Easton Ellis is selling this book to you. So, okay, if you're a fan of the movie, I recommend you do give it a read. But if you can't handle things like this, if you can't handle what was in the film, you're definitely not going to handle what is in this because it is a lot. It's gory, it's disgusting, it's abhorrent. That's that's abhorrent, that's the word I was looking for. But it is one of the best books I've ever read. <laughs> so there's a bit of a juxtaposition there. <laughs> so yeah, do check it out if you love the film. Uh, and just be careful of it. If you, if you haven't seen the film, maybe give, maybe give the film a watch first. The film is actually one of my favourite movies of all time. It's it's iconic, it's quotable, it's, it's fun. Christian Bale gives one of my favourite performances of his, if not is my favorite performance of his so do check it out uh moving on to horror now and in and specifically illustrated horror i decided to dip my toes into the works of junji ito and i started off by reading uzumaki which is about a town that gets infected by spirals and when i say infected by spirals i literally mean infected by spirals I'm not even joking when I say that. But the way Ito writes the story and makes these absolutely just terrifying drawings will eat at your brain and keep you up at night, give you the most vivid nightmares. And I got to say, I fucking loved every single minute of it. It's 600 pages long. I read it. In, I couldn't stop reading it. I read it in a whole night. And um, it does help that it has pictures as well as words, but it's a lot. It's a thick boy. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's the reason that I'm, I think, it, in terms of, uh, you know, horror in books, it's the reason I'm kind of diving more into that genre because I think it can be explored in especially body horror. My God. In terms of illustrations, this is some of the, the, mo- the most ghastly shit you'll ever, see, you'll ever see. And yeah, it's it's crazy. The man's a lunatic, but he's also very, very talented. And I, I enjoyed that book so much, I ended up getting his collection of short stories. One of them is called Smashed. I ended up picking Smashed over Shiver, because I think Smash had the 13 stories, I think, yeah, and uh, that has like a collection of short stories, Uzumaki, uh, Tomi, and Gyo are very long stories, they're like long form, same thing, long form stories over like hundreds of pages, I mean, Uzumaki was 600 and something, I think, and uh, I don't know about um, Tome and um, Tommy, Tommy, I don't know how it it's pronounced, but Tomi and uh, Gyo are, but if you really like horror, and especially body horror, I, hands down, recommend you check out Mr. Ito's work. He actually has a few free comics, or novels, what do you call them, page, web pages? <laughs> especially on the internet, what do you call those? Um, he has a f- few stories, I want to say stories, he has a few stories online, particularly the um, Angminara Fault, I believe. And there's another one called Glyceride, which I did check out. Um, but particularly, I want to recommend the Amagara Fault. That's it. If you want to really dive into his work, that is a very good stepping point to get into. It's also fucking scary, but a very good stepping point. And if you want to get more, I recommend you do actually check out this book first. 
I've heard from others that Tome um, and Gio are not as scary or not as good as Uzumaki. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think you should check out Uzumaki first. And if you like that, uh, either Smashed or um, Shiva. And you can move on to the other stories after that as well. But I had Smashed. I recommend Smashed as well if I want to just chuck that in. But, yeah, I'm loving Junji's work. I want to check out more of his work. But so little time and... <laughs> And running out of money, we'll say that. <laughs> uh, righto. So, next up, uh, as part of the novella club that I was a part of, we checked out. We checked out Percival and Wallflower the film, and then we read the book by uh, Stephen Chomsky, and it's great. It's uh, just as good as the film. I pin. I watched the film again after we after we read this, and. It was really, really, like, I, I can remember when I watched it, when, when it first came out when I was in high school, I I didn't really like it that much, but now I loved the movie, I loved it, but I loved the book just a tad more, I think, and um, if you don't know what the Postman of Warfare is about, it's about a boy named Charlie who is recounting through letters throughout the whole book about his time, pretty much his time through high school. So he meets uh, these two people named Sam and Patrick, and, you know, drama happens. I'm not going to get into it, but teenage drama happens. It's really good. Charlie's great. He's also a little sad, very sad, very sad guy. Um, there's some twists along the way. I was riveted. I was absolutely riveted throughout this whole thing. I ended up finishing this in... Two, I mean, it's only 227 pages, but I ended up finishing this in like, yeah, like I think a night, I, I, had, I had to do something the night before and I read most of it, then I just finished it the next night. So it's a very easy read and I'm, <laughs> I'm hesitant about checking out Imaginary Friend, which is, good Lord, a thousand pages long and supposed to be a horror, apparently, according to Chomsky or according to the fucking, uh, the um the back the blurb on the back of the book and i've got it i found out i went back to my house parents house and and i found it near box near some boxes and i was like what because i remember like i was talking about it with a friend of mine like the actual book imaginary friend and then not even like a couple of days later went back to my parents house just to grab some things and it was just there big thick boy on the bed with some boxes Imaginary friend. So I picked that up, put it on my own bookshelf back here, and very hesitant about reading it. Because <laughs> I just got given uh, from the same friend, uh, Ant Kind by Charlie Kaufman, and that one's nearly 800 pages. Probably going to be the longest book I've read so far. And mention, as mentioned before, A Little Life Behind Yonagahara, I have to finish that in December because I have a bet with someone that I would. And uh, people are telling me that I shouldn't rush it especially not like the content, especially in that book, but like even your heads up if you've read it, like I'd love a heads up to see, you know, just to get me ready for it. Um, anyway, but that's, that's beside the point. Point is, uh, Postman Warflower, if you, if you like the movie, you haven't read the book, yeah, give it a read. It's very, very good. Okay, next up, I was uh, given Coin by a Name by Andre Ackerman and... That name will ring some bells for you guys because that was the movie that came out in 2017, I want to say, by uh, Luca Guadagnino. He did the adaptation for it with Timothy Chalamet and Armie Hammer. Pretty much about a, a young boy who is with his family in Italy and a older guy, I won't say, say old man, but he's an older guy. He comes over to study with the father, especially study under the father, and then uh, they have a little fling. They have a little summer fling. And in the movie, it's a bit of a summer fling. In the book, there is more. Not going to spoil it, but there's more at the end. And I think I still like the movie better. I think there's a little too much description in the book from Andre's part. Um, especially during um, when you just when you're just in Oliver's I'm um, sorry uh, Elio's head all the time, and some of the things that he says I'm just like oh, okay all right let's let's uh, let's leave that there. 
And uh, I think the movie just does a much better. I mean, I just love, I just love that film, and I just think it does it much better. Um, I like the ending as well. But actually, no, I like the ending of both. I like the movie just just better, but the ending to the book as well is actually really good too. I really liked the ending in the book, but I think my only problem with the book was it was just a little too much description. It was just, I was like, it felt overwritten. I'll say that. It just felt overwritten, and. Uh, I think I just liked the film just a bit, just a bit better. But it, it was a good read. It was a good read. Nice, easy read. I think I read that in the night. So, yeah, it was a nice, easy read. Um, good love story. Good love story. Very, very intimate. All right, next up, I read Smoke Gets in Your Eyes by Caitlin Doherty. This is her uh, recounts of being in a, uh, working as a mortician, majorly in West Wind Crematory, where she worked first, and then it just goes over her life and gives a lot of anecdotes, and yeah, just talks about the death business. This was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I didn't know much about the death business before this book, and I learned so much when I was reading this, and also had a good old laugh, good old laugh reading Caitlin's accounts, because the way she writes these experiences and gives these anecdotes are kind of morbidly funny and um i mean the cover literally says like there's a pull quote from entertainment weekly that says the very definition of morbidly funny and it is there's some things where i mean if you're a kind of a i wouldn't say squeamish reader but if you read it that's like very sensitive to that stuff and because some of the things that she jokes about in this book are i think a person that is like that would be like okay what the fuck <laughs> You're a bit, you're a bit fucked, Caitlin. But um, I really, really enjoyed this. I loved it. I learned, I learned a lot. I loved the way she wrote. I picked up her second book, From Here to Eternity, and because she started the the uh, the Good Death, I believe it's called the Good Death. Yeah, she started the thing called the Good Death, and um, she wanted to she wanted to teach more people about like what is not taught, I guess, about the death business and more morally good ways to go about it and in the from here to eternity she talks about more worldly customs and the way other countries deal with death so i'm very very interested to read that i haven't touched it yet but very interested to read it i would i would actually probably read this again somewhere down the line i love the chapter of the redwoods it was really really emotional and i had a bit of a, a bit of a reaction to that one but very eye-opening very very eye-opening and i learned a lot a lot all right, number seven is Ayoade on Top by Richard Ayoade. Uh, this is about a film. What are we talking about when I, when I get into the questions later on? It's a film. It's called on The View from the Top. View from, view from the Top. View from the Top. There it is. My God. I'll just edit that out. <laughs> it's a very elongated criticism of the 2003 film View from the Top with Gwyneth Paltrow and Christina Applegate. And I'll be talking more about this movie later on when we answer the questions. But, yeah, as well as just criticizing the shit out of this, going by, I'm, I'm talking frame by frame critis, criticism and um, analysis. Richard also gives accounts from his childhood, little, little stories about him growing up in England. And I liked it. I... But I also, at the same time, didn't really think, like, I was just like, eh. I almost DNF'd it because I was just kind of getting, it was just, it's just a lot because it's just criticism of just one movie. And it's so much, I mean, obviously he did a lot of research and he watched it so many times. If you've, re- if you've watched the Graham Norton interview with him talking about it, he's watched it so many times. And you, you would to get research to, to do this book and, and set out on this uh, <laughs> this task. But I don't know, that's all the book really is. It's just him criticizing the movie and ripping it to shreds. And it's fun for like maybe 150 pages, but after like 200 and something, I was kind of bored. So I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't even vlog this on Goodreads, I don't think, but I was, I don't think I'm going to revisit it again. And if you want to, if you like, if you, I, I reckon you would only like it if you're a fan of Richard Ayoade and you've, especially if you've just re- watched view from the top which we'll talk about all right and the second second oh second last is uh i read the trial by franz kafka almost didn't finish it 
but ended up actually finishing, even though it was 170 pages. Couldn't even get through that, apparently. Um, yes, this is, this is about a guy named Joseph K who's on trial for the whole novel and he has no idea why he's on trial and he uh, goes in and out of buildings, he visits characters and it's just a lot of that and learning about life and learning about the justice system at the same time, I guess. I, I don't know. The point is, I, I didn't like this book. <laughs> I had a very grating time with it because I started liking it at the start. I liked it at the start and throughout more and more, I was just like, when, when is this going to end? Because I've seen this done before and I've seen it done better. I appreciated the themes that it was trying to explore, but there's a point where, I don't know, it was just so much and you really get this, you really get the sense of like where you are as well. And I know the story behind this whole book, like, um, like Franz Kafka actually didn't even finish this and it does feel like that, obviously. And even, but even before that, I was just very much losing interest. I barely even cared about the characters. I started losing, I started just losing count of how many characters were there who Joseph was interacting with, um, if it was Fräulein Bursner or uh, the painter, because there's like he just goes in and out of buildings, talks to characters, and sometimes you, you don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, you don't even get the sense. I at least I didn't get the sense of a geography of this thing, and I just didn't know where he was. Like it was like he's like is he back in the courtroom or is he in the church now? Oh no, he's at the painter's house now. And it feels like it's all happening in like one day and it's just so all over the place. And I did not have a good time. I did not have a good time with this one. It was a fucking slog, man. It was, yeah. Um, I know some people really, really enjoy it and that's good for them. But I did not have a good time with this one. Did enjoy one of the worst books I've ever read. And finally, I've... Mentioned this in my best of September video, which is up on YouTube right now on YouTube slash Carl Cruz. <laughs> um, I read, uh, I'm thinking of any things by Ian Reid. Uh, this is about a woman who is unnamed and she goes with her boyfriend named Jake to uh, his parents' farmstead in the middle of nowhere and uh, she meets her parents and that's all I'm going to say because things get crazy. I absolutely adored this book. I was floored by it. I know some people didn't like it. I mean, I gave this to, I recommended this to a few friends. They didn't like it at all. And that's, 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 that's fine. I don't, um, obviously it doesn't bother, bother me, but I had such an experience with this book. It was very just, wow. Like, I had to like, just take a moment. It's, it's like, unlike the, um, the experience of American Psycho where I had to be like, oh, what the fuck? And then put that down. It was kind of like that, but not in a bad way. American Psycho was kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ. But I'm thinking of ending things. That moment, when I, when I had that moment, it, it felt just like, oh, my God, I've just, like, experienced something just so insane. Like, really, it is just insane. Especially diving into, a, like, a person's psyche and how they think and what they're perceiving and oh man I, d I don't want to say anything about this one because I, I it's very much recommended without even telling you what is it what is it about and what to expect because you need to go in this as blind as a fucking batman and just have the ride it's only 200 pages long it's pretty short and you can if you read this in a night and just have that experience have that Oh man, just that, that whiplash afterwards. And if you can get that whiplash afterwards, like more, more power to you, like I did. But yeah, it's it's something. It's 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 something else. Yeah, I've never had something such an emotional reaction to a book before. I've had the same reaction to a few movies, but this is the first book where I really had to just collect myself after I finished it. It's very it's creepy too. It's scary. I got a little freaked out. Uh, there's an audio book on. Audible, which I also listen to, 
it's it's good too. It has it's it's read well, but I think I do recommend. Maybe there's a different audio version out there because I didn't really click with this one. I think I just liked reading this one, but uh, I've been told there's an there's an audible version that's like really really creepy and puts you in the mindset of it. And I forget what it's called though, so I can't. I feel bad because I can't say anything. <laughs> but uh, point is, yeah, do check it out if you want to. If if you want a fucking ride, yeah. Do, uh, do check this one out. And that's all of the books. I just want to mention one more book before we move on to the music, and then I'm going to shut the fuck up about books and move on to the next thing. Um, I also read Saga by uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples, and it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's a, a huge space epic full of just, and exploring just so many themes of, oh man, I, I can't even get into it. But the point is, it's phenomenal. I read the compendium, which is the first nine volumes in one. I know there's nine volumes out there at the moment. I know that, but I know they're taking, like Brian and Fiona are taking a bit of a, a hiatus at the moment before they move on to volume 10. But if, if, I, if I can recommend, I would recommend just getting the volume singular. I have a, I have a thing where if I get a book too big, I mean, I, I, just, I just put up with it, it's fine. But if I was going to buy this myself, I would probably just buy the volumes singular because i got the scott pilgrim box set and by the way that it does look good it looks really fucking nice the scott pilgrim box set but i got that and it's broken into three three kind of collections volumes so the first like all the six volumes are in just three big books and that's kind of the same here with saga it's all nine volumes in one big compendium and it feels so fucking heavy in your hand <laughs> and, and if you're not if you're someone like that that doesn't like having that weight in your hand i recommend just getting the volume sing singular but if you're fine with that just grab the compendium i think it's been sold on booktopia for, like if we're talking about australia i think it's been sold on booktopia for it's probably gonna be over 100 the thing's fucking huge so probably over 100 if you want a graphic novel to really get your teeth stuck into have a lot of characters to care about oh man the moments i went through <laughs> reading this fucking thing saga by uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. All right, let's move on to the music. I've only got um, about four or five albums here, but I'll quickly just brush, brush through them. And because I've got some questions to talk about as well, and we're yeah, we're hitting the, hitting the mark. We're getting there. And I've got some questions to talk about too on uh, from the Instagram, and I want to actually, like I said, I do want to delve into those. So the first album I listened to, well, I wasn't the first, but one of the ones that really stuck, stood out to me was uh, How I'm Feeling Now by Shelly XCX. I got into her in January, so I wasn't there when she released Charlie last year in September. I wasn't I wasn't there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't there, but I have now found her and love her very much. Discovered her in January. I've been just had her on repeat ever since, and this album is so fucking good. And for an album that was made entirely in quarantine with collaboration from fans, uh, artists, visual artists, uh, musical artists, and having so much, just, yeah, so much input from the fan base, um, as the angels, as she calls her fans, it's, it's, it feels very special, it feels very in this moment this year, I know this, is, and it's still, you can still listen to this, and, and really enjoy it, even after all this craziness is over, because it's still just a really, really well put together album, but the lyrics, obviously, are a reflection of the time that she was in, she, I know she was having a tough time, uh, during this, I mean, as we as we all were, and just so inspirational to put all of that despair, put all, put all of that doubt, that anxiety into this project is outstanding, and I was just blown away by it. Like the product that we got, I was just blown away by it, and I was very, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. There's a few songs I'm not too crazy about. Party for you, I think, is still my least favorite, but. I mean, we're talking almost every single song in here. I fucking love. At the moment, my top three would probably be Enemy, Detonate, and I mean, I love listening. I love me some claws, but yeah, Enemy, Detonate, and at the moment, it's Anthems. But again, this this motherfucker changes because it used to be Visions last week. I was singing Visions a lot last week, and then I was singing seven years and I mean, it's just it's a lot it's crazy i love it yeah loved it 
and just and the, and just the fact that she has done this in quarantine, given us pretty much a quarantine album, is just so. It really inspired me to like just be like, all right, well, if she's doing that, then I I can do something, right? And and if I'm being true to myself, I haven't really uh, done that yet, but um, just now starting to pick up the pieces. Something I I don't want to get into it, but I've been through some stuff this year. I don't know. Every time I listen to this, I just think of the experience that like everyone shared that the all the anxiety that everyone definitely has still probably still has during this moment and i don't know i thought it was a great expression of what came out of um of what came out of it uh i listened to next another female artist i think most of these are female artists rena sawiyama released her first full album called sawiyama i got into her hmm, a couple months ago i would say around charlie time i would probably say a couple months after that maybe april i think it was april or march no i think it was april it was april because she released sawiyama in april so i think it's late april early may i got into arena and she's another pop artist i mean charlie's more futuristic hyper pop as they call it right now but rena is more playing with i don't know she's it's so many genres in one it's still pop but she mixes in heavy metal, she mixes in rock, she, there's a bit of R&B, it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's just a very good amalgamation of so many genres, but it's like, it's still pop, man. It's like still pop, the way the, song, the, way the songs are written, the way they're produced. Um, and it's just the fact that she has all these other genres just kind of flooding in throughout the track list. It just makes, just makes it just the icing on top of the fucking cake. And yeah, Sawayama is definitely one of my favorite albums of the year, along with How I'm Feeling Now. I mean, most of these are probably not going to go down as my some of my favorite albums of the year. But because of this album, I went back and listened to uh, her EP, Rena, and loved that. Uh, Ordinary Superstar, great song. What is it? Uh, Cyber Stockholm Syndrome, I think it's called. Cyber Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, Cyber Stockholm Syndrome. Love that. And then Sawayama, like my favorite definitely is Excess. Love that song. I love Chosen Family. I love Paradising. Dynasty's great. Yeah, just some top work from Rena. And I only just started listening to her this year. And it sounds like she's just getting in her stride, really. And because she's only got Rena. And then, she, well, she had a few singles before Rena. But then she's had, like, she's got Rena. And then she has Sawayama. And she's already working on new music, apparently. So, I mean, fuck yeah. I love it. Good shit. If you like pop music, Rena's is definitely a person to check out. Her voice is also really fucking good. Uh, next up, I listened to Maddie Jane's album. She's an Australian artist from Tasmania. And she finally released her album. I've been listening to her for quite a while now. And uh, I'll say a few years. I think, I think it was 20... Yeah, ever since 2016. Yeah, I've listened to her for quite a while now. And I've listened to some of the singles that she's released from this album. And she said she was working on... She was gonna. She was like. She said she was working on to release a full EP, and she has. And this is it. It's called "Not All Bad or Good." Yeah, I like all the singles from it. Uh, I mostly just love Maddie because of her voice, and some of the lyrics are really great too. Let me, let me just check out the album. Um, some of the songs I really liked in here that I didn't really. They weren't singles before this album was released. I mean, Say Away in Mine was a single that was out. Perfection's a Thing and You're It. There was a single that was out. Something Old and Something New. I mean, yeah, we had those singles. They were great. Thank you and sorry. They were great. Love those. But my favorite song off the album is actually one that wasn't even a single before all this was Crazy Jane Talks to the Bishop. I resonate with that song quite a bit. Love that song. Love the lyrics in it. Femme is also a great song. And my only issues with it, I think, Fuck You, I'm a Good Person. I like the title of that, but the song itself is a bit mediocre. I'm not really a fan of it, but that's just me. But I also liked, I like, I think Always Saying What They Always Can't Say, What They All Can't Say is a great closer. Yeah, I like most of the songs in here. I'm even going to go see Maddie on, on my fucking birthday. So um, very excited to see that. Great first album. Listen to it on repeat. Can't wait to see what she brings out next. And finally, I listened to, I got into another artist because of just recommendations to other people. They also popped up in my Discover Weekly. Uh, clipping. Clipping. 
they're they're a music group, mostly hip hop, experimental. I'd say experimental, uh, consisting of uh, Daveed Diggs, William Hudson, and Jonathan Snipes. And uh, Daveed brings the vocals, and the producers William and Jonathan are the producers. And uh, wow, what a uh, what a what a combination! Because mixed with Daveed's vocals and his rapping, especially his rapping love ended up just loving clipping because I, I listened to i think it was work that was from the discover weekly and then that brought me to their 2014 e uh, album called just clipping would know if you're a fan of clipping you would know what the album's called um and that got me into body and blood and then i heard taking off and then i found out they released an album last year called their existed addiction to blood listened to that fucking loved it very cool mix of old it's such a really cool concept of like having horror like horror musical score mixed with rapping and the production is just it's very noisy it's a very noisy production that i'm becoming more of a fan of especially thanks to 100 gex becoming more of a fan of and david's rapping fan i just love it it's it's great and he has great flow there's a great song. If I want to recommend a song that really shows off his flow, uh, not work, work. Uh, Story two, Story two is a good example from uh, clipping the album, and then, and then yeah, my favorite was my favorite song from. There's this addition to blood. I would say nothing is safe is good. I love club down. Uh, I love all in your head. I love butter the fang. Story seven's great, and. And then, then they announced, and then that like they had singles out from their brand new album, which came out like October twenty third, I believe. I think it's October twenty third, like right before Halloween. Again, called "Visions of Bodies Being Burned," and I had heard the singles "Say the Name" and "96 Ned Campbell," and then I'm pretty sure they released "Pain Every Day," but I listened. I didn't listen to that one because I knew the album's coming out soon, so I just wanted to wait. And this one is also just another great mix of horror rapping yeah contemporary hip-hop experimental hip-hop and classic horror score and horror sounds soundscape noise again very noisy production it's crazy it's bananas and i love it it's bananas and i love it my favorite songs from this album would probably be yeah say the name i love 96 nev campbell i love check the lock she bad's good uh, and lacing, like and lacing, and I like the I like the end of it. It's, it's a nice. It's kind of like a hopeful end, secret piece. It's kind of like a hopeful end. Whereas in the other album you had, the end was a piano burning, which is literally an eighteen minute song of a piano burning. Uh, this one kind of ends nice and peaceful, I guess. It's like it's like the night of the massacre, and it's like the morning after, but it's 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 kind of more because like you're just like well. All of these things, like the f- the first fifteen tracks before this, were all horror inspired and and, cra- and very very dark lyrics and yeah you, you know what I mean and waking up and just like it's kind of it's a it's, it's a quiet morning it's a brand new day but you've probably just got like all these dead bodies everywhere with like blood and guts and limbs flown about and death. <laughs> This album, uh, these albums as well, are also broken up by these really odd uh, interludes that are just, I mean, some are just recordings of people having hauntings, talking about hauntings. I think the haunting one was in Their Existing Addiction to Blood from last year. Yeah, the haunting one's from that one. I like the Witchboard interlude which, from Visions of Bodies Being Burned, which perfectly blends into, bleeds into even. 96 Nev Campbell because there's this knock. It, it kind of sounds, I mean, if I can do it. It kind of goes like there's two knocks, like that, and it's like a uh, a gasp, just like you heard, duh, and that gets bled into the production of 96 Nev Campbell, and it's really cool. <laughs> I really dig it. Really, really dig. Really, really dig this stuff, and uh, because of my, I mean, like especially since I'm a big, big, big film fan, big film buff. And into that world, I love what they do with two of these projects. And now dipping my toes into horror, especially just doing the Horror October challenge, 
this album was a perfect companion piece to end that. And they're giving me something great. I haven't checked out Splendor and Misery yet, which I've heard is just a huge concept album about this astronaut in space. And yeah, I really want to check that out. I think it's like 15 tracks. Yeah. And it's all one thing, so you can't, yeah, you don't want to skip any songs. It's obviously one story, so you want to stay in it. But I would say if you're into score, especially, I'd say more, because like these two albums really delve into old horror, like I'm talking like 70s, 80s, 70s even with John Carpenter. And, And if you like just good flow, I guess, good flow, good rapping lyrics. If you like dark shit, <laughs> clipping is your, your group. Clipping is your group. Okay. All right. All right. Let's wrap this up by answering, finally answering, uh, answering your questions from f- weeks ago, man. Weeks ago. But I've got them here. I'm going to answer them for you right now. Uh, so I'm not going to say these people's names. I don't want. I don't want to. I want. I just want to keep this anonymous. I don't want to give out any identities or anything. So. The first question I got here is, R.I.P. Tenet being delayed indefinitely. What were your thoughts on the trailers for it? So, obviously, Tenet, it did get delayed, but it ended up did coming out. Christopher Nolan did make that decision with Warner Brothers to release it. It happened. Didn't make much money. Mulan made more than it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I think it made $350 million, I think. But this is a good chance to tell you guys what I thought of Tenet, because I did go watch it. I did go see it. Didn't like it. <laughs> Straight up didn't like it. I think it's Nolan's weakest film. I think the sound mixing again has been, is very bad. Uh, sometimes you never know what a fucking character's saying because the score, I mean, the score is great by Ludwig Granson. I mean, like I'm not, I wasn't to say it's, I didn't love it, but I, I still thought Granson did a great job. But the way it is mixed in with the dialogue, sometimes you kind of hear characters. I mean, when we talk about characters as well, we, we don't have characters. We had this man called the protagonist who gets just told everything. There's just so much exposition in this movie that's just... I just, just was... I was bored. I think I fell asleep during... <laughs> I might have fallen asleep during this. I was just I was just not a fan of this one. There was no characters to latch on to. Everyone's talking about Elizabeth Debicki, but what the fuck does she do? She doesn't do anything. She has a son. Oh, great. I don't fucking care. <laughs> There's no emotional attachment because... They're kind of just, they're kind of just pawns in Nolan's game of time, and it just didn't work because there's nothing, there's no character to focus on because they're just these blank slates, and the acting is so wooden, and it's nothing against like John Raven Washington or Robert Pattinson. I'd say it's more on how Nolan wrote and directed this and made this movie because he was trying to say like, well, you know, obviously this character knows what's going to happen next, so they're just. It kind of felt like this is what it kind of felt like. Especially after reading Watchmen recently, it kind of felt like all these characters were Dr. Manhattan and they know what's going to happen or they knew what's going to happen. So they kind of just don't, I don't know, they kind of just don't care about the consequences and the way they talk, they just, they're just expecting this to happen anyways. Well, well I know you're going to do this and like blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting cranky about it, but it's... I don't like the way it... I don't like the way it is. <laughs> I can't even speak uh, normally about it. I just didn't like it. It's fucking long as shit. It's boring. The characters are wooden as fuck. Had no one to connect to. The action's good. I like the action. Dude threw a plane into an airport. Real one. So that was cool. But everything in between, man, it just wasn't engaging enough for me to stay in it. And I didn't have a good time. So... It's as simple as that. Okay, moving on to the next question. This is from... Okay, I can reveal the identity of this one. I won't say his name, but this is from my DAP who uh, helped me shoot my second short film, and we do stay in touch um, because he's a legend. He's about a legend. So he says, when are we going to shoot that feature? And... Uh, Anish... Uh, we we'll shoot it when all this craziness is over. Like we'll we'll um we'll we'll get into it when we can actually like you know see each other in person again, and uh, all of this insanity is behind us. I'm definitely using the end of this year to prep for a better 2021. Hopefully, that one that's not filled with a global pandemic. Hey, okay. 
I mean, obviously, they're still going to be around, but, like, I don't know if we're even close to getting a vaccine. I think we may be. I don't know. I'm not too sure. But it's still going to be around. But I'm just I'm just trying to say that I'm using this time to work on these uh, films that I did work on at film school and, and get them out there. And I did the scripts that he's talking about. I did, and I've, I mentioned it before. It's based off the first short film that I did. I, I kind of stopped writing that one and then started writing another one. Um, it just happens. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe writers can get on board with that. I don't like, like, you know, understand that, not get on board with it, but understand it. Um, I just started writing another one and I've written more pages of that one now than Unicorn. So, dude, when all this craziness is over and we can really kick into gear, I mean, I really want to kick into gear next year because next year, my God, I'm fucking 25 years old next year. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get it, and you're definitely going to shoot it. So don't worry. You're not going to be replaced, sir. You're not going to be replaced. Definitely going to shoot it. But it just won't happen now. Okay. Time for the last question. And we're, we look, we're looking good here with time. This is... I'll, I will give the identity out for this one as well, because this is a friend of the show. We, we know him. It's Jay Wood. We know him. Remember that three-hour podcast we did about the best of the decade that probably no one listened to. <laughs> um, he, he poses a great question here. Very, very, a very thinky boy, this one. Do you think post-COVID that the indie small budget films will no longer have cinema releases? Yeah, this one got me really thinking. Really, really thinking. Given that just the, the, the time that we're in now because of this coronavirus and the time that we're in, we really thought, I mean, I guess we're just so fucking naive because we really thought that, I mean, Nolan really thought, I guess Warner Brothers really thought that Tenet was going to be the film to save cinema and kind of bring it back. But it didn't. It made $350 million worldwide. And, like, I don't know how much, I like, I don't know how much Mulan made per se, but I think it made more than... Tenet did in like its first two weeks. I mean, I could be very wrong in there, but the point is we could be moving into more of an age of VOD and on-demand and streaming because there's been a lot of movies that have been dropped in VOD. Obviously, there's been a lot of delays. All of, A lot of temp balls got pushed back to next year. No time to die. We didn't even, like, how many more delays does that movie need? Like, um, I'm not, and I'm not complaining about it, but that movie's been delayed more than a fucking, you know, bad airplane trip. Oh, my God. I'm going to leave that in. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Oh, I don't even care. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking of, like, layovers and stuff like that. I don't know why. Um, oh, I'm crying. Yeah, I, um... I don't know. The point is, like, if these tentpole movies can't even save cinema, I mean, we, we thought Tenant was going to reopen the cinema and bring everybody back, and it barely even made its fucking budget back. I think it, maybe it did. I'm not going to look it up. I've got no time. I'm running out of time. But it didn't do well. That's, that's just the point. That's the thing. It didn't, did not do well. Um, but I think you can look at it from two, I think, I think you can look at it from two sides. Because some of them do find a life on VOD and streaming, especially like services like Netflix and Amazon Prime. I mean, look at what Blumhouse is doing right now with their with their films. They're releasing, I think they released six movies in October on on Amazon Prime, and they're all feature length. And there's fucking six of them. <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, there's six or four. I think. That could be less than six, actually. I'm not too sure. But I've got, like, four in my list that I still haven't seen yet that I was going to watch during Horrortober. Nope, didn't happen. But I've still got quite a bit there that that are just Blumhouse. And it says, like, a banner says Blumhouse. Look what, um, even look what Steve McQueen is doing. Steve McQueen, a very uh, prolific director, very visionary director. He's, you know, the director of 12 Years a Slave. He's releasing an anthology of films that called the Small Axe Anthology, which I'm very, very excited about. He's releasing that. I'm like, I mean, there's like five movies, and I'm pretty sure they're coming out on Amazon. I'm, I could be wrong. 
I think it's Amazon though. D- doing the same thing, releasing them on Amazon. It might be Hulu. I don't know. Releasing them on Amazon, and f- that's here's there's five. He's releasing five, and they're all feature length. And uh, look what uh, uh, Sam Levinson did. Made a movie with John David Washington, Zendaya, in quarantine. So, when you, I don't know when you when you're thinking, especially with A twenty four. Let's let's just talk about A twenty four for a second. When you when you think about it like that, that was supposed to have their like their releases this year was supposed to be, I believe, First Cow. They were supposed to have Saint Maud, and especially the big one, which everyone wants, the Green Knight. Where the, 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 I get them not wanting to release the Green Knight because look what happened to Tenet and look what could happen to the Green Knight and the Green Knight A twenty four people are very wary of it an indie company but I will say that A twenty four is getting a lot more traction a lot more fans recently but to the general viewing audience who didn't go and see Tenet because one of a pandemic two you know they imagine A twenty four releasing. St. Maud and the Green Knight in when Tenet was released. This is still hot in the lockdown in like US. I mean, we're locked down here in Australia, but US was still like, had the coronavirus heavy. And people were saying, no, I want to fucking, I'm not going to the theater to see Tenet. So imagine if like, let's say Lowry makes that decision or A20, I don't know if it's Lowry or A24 that gets to make the decision to release Green Knight, but imagine if they did that. I don't even think the Green Knight even make, would even probably make half its budget back because people are still very very hesitant about going to the theater it's it's a very it makes me just it just makes me sad because i think about i mean look what's happening to amc amc is one of the one of the big theater chains in the usa and it's it might be going bankrupt so if these big movies can't even help cinema or can't even get money to put these cinemas in business i think not only will we probably not get indie movie releases we might not even get like if we lose cinema we probably won't even get cinema releases i don't know it's just very sad it's very sad to think about because i love the movie the cinema experience i i I, i'm just lucky that i got to see tenet and i mean i was very sensible about it we you know follow the guidelines Saw Tenet, saw, I mean, even though it wasn't really that worth it, but saw the New Mutants. Like, we're still lucky in Australia that we get to see films in the cinema. We're at the US and fucking England. We'll talk about England in a minute. England gets to have St. Maud at the moment. I mean, I was speaking as a, um, as a A24 fan. England's got St. Maud. So the motherfuckers have seen it already. Um, that's got nothing to do with indie releases, but I'm just mad that uh, England's getting to see St. Maud. <laughs> I mean, we're getting a little... I think we're getting a release in Sydney at the Ritz for St. Maud, but I, I just don't want to travel. Like, I, I don't even want to travel out of my own fucking city yet because of all this. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. I'm going on a huge tangent. I think it's... And this is this is very real. If, if AMC shuts down, I think more will follow. Cinemas will go out of business. They've lost so much money this year because of this thing. And you could find... Movies could find a better life on VOD. And look, the cinema experience is great. We, we love it. Movie lovers, we, we love it. We love going. We love seeing it on the big screen. Some movies are meant to see on the big screen. Much as I didn't like Tenet. I didn't want to watch Tenet on my fucking laptop. Or even on my, just my, like my TV, which is just, it's just a, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not bad, but I would rather much see Tenet. I would, I was, when I was looking forward to Tenet, I was like, no, I'm going to see it as Nolan wanted us to on the screen. Um, I just wish that he just thought about the window release, I guess, like just delay it. I had that in the back of my mind. Just delay it, dude. It's fine. Just delay it. No Time to Die is coming out in fucking April next year. And, like, hopefully we'll be, like, in a, a better space than what we're in now. But um, if you look at it from two sides, in, the indie movies could do well because it has that very niche crowd that, I mean, especially Dandy Cinemas in Newtown, I used to go there all the time after school to check out the littler releases, like the indie releases, you see, you could you could get a crowd for those, a big enough crowd for them to help them make their money back or 
or you could look at it from the, from the other side and putting them up against temp poles or putting them with big releases, people are going to obviously choose, I mean, general audiences, average moviegoers are going to see the big releases then take a chance on, to be honest, something from A24. And it's sad to say, but they won't. They won't. And sometimes it does have to do with how A24 markets, which I'm sometimes I'm not a fan of. I mean, a huge example was It Comes at Night. Look how that was marketed. I don't want to keep talking. I sound like a broken record here, but yeah, I just think that we could be in trouble. It's a very loaded, it's, sir, Jay, it's a very loaded question. I think we, we're in trouble and we could lose cinema. And VOD, as much as it's very, it's very handy and as much as it's very, um, as much as it has that ease of access, there is nothing compared to seeing a film in a cinema on the big screen with that surround sound, especially we're talking about contemporary sound today, like Dolby Atmos. There's nothing fucking compares. And it's sad that we may be losing that. And the indie releases, they could find a better time on VOD, but I would love to see, just to finish off, I would fucking love to see The Green Knight on a big screen because that movie looks incredible. Ghost Story from David Larry, even though it's going to be a much bigger scale, this one's going to be a much bigger scale than Ghost Story. His movie, A Ghost Story, one of my favorite movies of all time. So I saw them getting it tattooed on my fucking arm. <laughs> so I've got big hopes for The Green Knight. And we talk about cinema experience with VOD and streaming. There is 100%, I'm going to 100% see the green knight on the big screen and same goes for saint maud even so if there's if the people out there are willing to see these films on the big screen and give them and give them support that they need maybe but it's just such a loaded at this moment it's such a loaded question because i'm i'm even i'm unsure i'm sure a lot of people are unsure everyone has their theories but we're just in a bad space at the moment and i think it could it could go just either way i think um, so to answer your question, that's that's what I think. Oh man. Okay, um, guys, that brings us to the end. Yes, the end of the uh, three-part big boy quarantine podcast. I think this is going to be the longest one so far, but brings us to the end. I hope you guys enjoyed the journey. I'm sorry for again. I want to apologize and be transparent about like I was facing personal issues throughout the making of this and the, and the releasing of this and just just trying to deal with me myself as a, as a human being i had we all had a rough time during this we all went through some real shit and some some of us some of us are already going through some shit some of us are coming out the other side i i myself i'm coming out um good i'm still i still have those days of self-doubt and everything but that's the reason you know that's what that's why we're here we're here to grow we're here to learn yeah, we're here to get prepared for a better year next year. 2021 is going to be everyone's year. I can feel it. Um, so thank you again for listening to this free podcast. They're all going to be up right now. Like when I put this up, they're all there for you. Part one is about the fran- the, the uh, movies that I watched. Part two is about the franchise and comedy specials. And if you want to just suck it all in one go, sure. But if you want to take it by part, by part, be my guest. Love, would, uh, love it either way. Thank you for indulging my voice for this long as well. I'm, uh, I'm, I need water. I'll say that I'll need water right now. And uh, just know, I just want to give one more special announcement before I, before I sign off here. In November, because I'm planning a bigger party uh, for this year for my twenty fourth, I'll be spending most of my time preparing that. So I don't want to give you guys no content during November. And I've kept something on the back burner for a while now, and I can I feel I can announce it. My friend and I, Jay, who I mentioned earlier, we have been watching the Star Wars movies. Where I've watched the original trilogy, I watched the prequels trilogy, and I've watched the new trilogy, uh, Episode Seven, Eight, Nine. And I haven't watched the spin-offs. I have also at the moment watching the Mandalorian. But um, as a as a non-Star Wars fan, as a person who hasn't seen Star Wars before. I watched it all for the first time and I'm happy to say if you're a fan of all this and if you want to hear our opinions 
we're going to do a three-part, another three-parter, a three-part podcast on the Star Wars movies, starting off with the original trilogy. And we're going to be talking about it from perspective, from the perspective of myself, who is coming in from you know fresh eyes and and um, seeing it for the first time, and as a like, as a movie fan, what I think about it. Am I a fan of Star Wars now? You'll find out. And for Jay's eyes, he's a big fan of Star Wars. He has seen these movies many, many times. He he watched it. A, he's watched it for like, for like a hundredth time, probably when I when I uh, when he watched it with me. But the fact is that we'll be discussing all of these movies quite in depth. Um, they, they will be a recorded video podcast. So they'll be going on YouTube, but they'll also be going up on on the podcasting platforms as well that you've listened to these on. I know the majority of you guys listen to on Spotify, so it'll be there on Spotify. Um, but these ones will be recorded and in video form, and they'll be up on my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash cockroos. So I'm very happy to announce that. I also might, if I can slip it in, but I, again, like I said, I'll be preparing and working on my party because it's a, it's a project. I'll say that. <laughs> it's a fucking project. I may do a podcast when I'm thinking of ending things. I really want to. I might find time December maybe, but I really want to do a podcast on thinking of any things, so you may get that. But you definitely are going to get a three-part Star Wars podcast, so they will be the next ones that will come out. Guys, once again, thank you very much for indulging me, listening to me through these three parts of the Quarantine Podcast. And I'll see you next time when we talk about some fucking Star Wars. Have a great week. Stay safe. Love you.